0: Welcome to another dynamic word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight, we're going to open up the word of God. And uh, I have a specific word tonight that I believe That if you will uh, open up your heart, you're going to really be uh, intrigued. We're going to be going to the book of 2 Kings. I believe that you will find this uh, uh, not just intriguing, as it were, but also uh, eye opening. And I started to call this, uh, I, I started to title this message Mental Instability, no, Emotional Instability emotional instability. Why? Because there are so many people that face instabilities in life. So many born-again, Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, good people that go through things that create trauma and they go through tragedy and disappointments. And why? Because we are in this world. We are not of this world, but we are in this world. And the world is doing everything they can. And the devil is doing everything he can. And he has unfair home court advantage as it were the Bible talks about this world uh, you know God said this is not his world you know there is a prince of this world and the Bible says that this world and the flesh and this world is an enemy of God and all that is in the world the lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life it is not of God but it's of the flesh it is of this world system it's strange to me how God allows this, but he he, he told us in, in in a parable that Jesus was teaching. He said that that you know a man went out in his field, you know, a a, a servant, and he sowed good seed in the field, likening to God creating uh, you know Adam and Eve and, 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 and giving them a garden of Eden. And then then the story continues that that, uh, you know, that night while everyone was asleep, the enemy came and they sowed weeds called tares, T-A-R-E-S. They sowed weeds in that field among the good crop. And so the servant, in seeing that, went to the master and said, what shall we do? Shall we go out there and uproot all of these weeds? And, you know, as it were, we understand that God was saying, no, I don't want you to uproot the weeds, because if you do, it might also uproot some of the wheat, some of the crop that I'm growing. You see, God is growing us and growing His children and growing those who will one day give their lives to Him. He is growing them, and unfortunately, they are growing even amidst Some real weeds in this life. And rather than uproot and rather than take the chance of completely uprooting, God is allowing them to grow, as he said, until the harvest. And at the harvest time, these things will be dealt with. And then we will get to what Jesus paid for. New heaven, a new earth, and eternity. And uh, so that's where we're headed. And since we are in this world, but not of this world... Uh, Sometimes these difficult things that happen in life that we can't control, that we can't even explain, sometimes they cause us to have some problems. But, good news, there are some answers. And instead of me entitling tonight's service uh, um, mental or emotional instability, the title is Looking for Answers in All the Wrong Places. I think uh, there's a song that's close to that. looking for answers in all the wrong places all right let's begin tonight by just giving a little bit of background about a prophet named Elijah Elijah was born in a little town in Gilead the town's name is Tishbe that's why Elijah was called a Tishbite now, Gilead is not much known about Gilead. It was always kind of a mystery uh, to me whenever I was studying and I read Gilead because Gilead was, was not in what we understand you know, today as the, as the land of Israel. If you were looking at the land of Israel on a map and, and, and you were facing the map this direction, there would be you know, a, a, a Mediterranean Sea right here. Okay? And then there would be a piece of land here. And if you went uh, to about... Uh, the middle of Israel, uh, somewhere close to the valley of Jezreel, to Mount Gilboa, okay, in the valley of Jezreel. If you continued to go east, you would go through Beit Shan, you would go across the Jordan River in about, you know, 10 miles, about five to six more miles, you would find yourself in Gilead at Tishbite, Tishba, okay? So it's about 35 miles from Jezreel. Jezreel was where King Ahab lived. So Elijah was born about the year 900 BC. And when Elijah was about 25 years old, maybe 26, King Ahab became king over Israel. The 10 northern tribes were called Israel, and he became the king. And then as, as time went along, of course, you know that King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, you've probably heard quite a lot about Jezebel. Well, King Ahab and his wife Jezebel, they began to uh, cause a lot of trouble, a lot of spiritual trouble in Israel, so much so that, that uh, Jezebel brought some of the prophets uh, who were prophets of Baal and prophets of, of false gods, Asherah. And there ended up being about 850 of these prophets that worked for her. And they completely filled all of Israel with pagan worship. And Ahab built altars to pagan gods. And, and it was just so, so bad. So that by the time that, that Elijah is 30 years old... now. Uh, go, go with me on a reality uh, check here Elijah prophesying that there would be no more rain happened when he was about 30 don't you imagine him to be about 70 in your head you know don't you you know this old prophet Elijah no he was about 30 years old whenever he told Elijah that that that, that listen, you know, God's going to judge this land because of all of the idolatry and all of the pagan worship and all of the things that you and Jezebel are, are allowing and causing and promoting and leading the people to, to worship foreign gods. And, and so God's going to shut up the heavens and, and as, as I pray that God closes the heavens, then it will not rain on the land of Israel until God tells me and I pray again. Well, Ahab didn't really think he cared, but you know, as in much of the world today, with an agro economy, as we have talked before about the drought that's going on in East Africa right now. Whenever you live from crop to crop each year, and that's how you survive, uh, then you know, one year without rain means that you don't get to eat as much the next year, and almost nothing the next. And so, this drought would end up lasting. Three and a half years. As Ahab continued uh, to look, King Ahab looked everywhere for Elijah, but he could not find him. God was protecting Elijah. First, by the brook Cherith, which is back in Gilead, right near where, where uh, Elijah was, was born, where he was from. God protected Elijah and, and fed him with ravens and he drank from the brook uh, for about uh, um, two years. And then the brook dried up. Isn't it terrible whenever the brook, when, when you're right in the middle of God's will and the brook dries up? Yeah. I mean, it, it even happened to the prophet of God. And so God said, Hey, Elijah, I want you to get to Zarephath. Only one problem Zarephath is 100 miles in that direction. <laughs> you know, that's a fairly long walk in that day, okay? He didn't take the bus, okay? There wasn't an A route, okay? So, uh, so he, you know, makes his way to Zarephath, and no doubt when he gets there, he's dirty, he's dusty. He, you know, there's a drought, there's a famine going on. And it's still another year and a half before this thing is going to be over. And so he finds himself in Zarephath. And you can read about a wonderful story in 2 Kings 17, an account of how this widow uh, was challenged by him to trust God. And, And when she did, God provided for all of them miraculously for that next year and a half. And then came the time whenever God said to Elijah, I want you to go and deal with Ahab the time has come. You know, God has a time for everything. Sometimes our time is way before God's time, but God has a time. And whatever, whatever God's going to do, there are some things that only he can do. And what he's going to do, unfortunately, has to wait on him to do it. And so he says, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that, that, that you know, everybody else was ready long before God was. So Elijah goes down from Zarephath and as, as he's going back down through Israel, he gets fairly close to the Jezreel Valley. He meets one of Ahab's servants, and he says, Go tell King Ahab that I will meet him in Mount Carmel. You know... Uh. The guy said oh don't make me do that Ahab's been looking everywhere for you He's been making whole nations and kings And everybody swear that they don't know where you are Because he wants to find you And he wants to kill you Because you have been troubling Israel And and he said listen I guarantee you If you go get Ab- Ahab, uh, King Ahab Let him know I will meet him He said no God's going to whisk you away He's going to save you He's not going to let Ahab kill you And Elijah said oh don't worry about that Come on Ahab You know, I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing this but you know it's going to be okay you go get ahab i will meet him and also go and tell him to bring all of israel and bring all the prophets of baal and asher all of jezebel's prophets i'll meet him in a place that today is called muhaka Okay. It's Mount Carmel. Many of you have been with me there. I've been there a couple of dozen times and, and uh, you know, 50 of you will be back there next September with me. We'll be going up there, uh, going up the Eliakum Junction and driving up on Mount Carmel right there to where those burned stones are, to where we overlook the Jezreel Valley up on Mount Carmel. And so uh, you know, uh, Elijah met Ahab there and he met the the um, uh, you know the prophets and you you can read the account you know they built an altar and and uh, you know they 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 got a sacrifice ready and elijah said you know who you, you pray to your god and i'll pray to my god and whichever god answers by fire israel y'all serve that god okay let him be god well the prophets 850 of them they prayed and prayed all day and you know they they danced they sang they even cut themselves with knives calling upon their god to answer nothing and so elijah when it came his turn he said let's just make this a little more difficult go get some water now water is pretty precious but they're willing to do anything to keep this god from answering and so He said, pour it on the altar and pour it. And they filled up, you know, they just doused the whole thing with water. So much so, it was just like a little flood going on up there. And Elijah said, hey God, you know, fire came down, consumed all of the sacrifice and consumed, you know, and burned up all the wood and licked up all the water. And, you know, I mean, it was just amazing. And then... Um, they commenced you know, uh, as, as, as Elijah led them and they killed all of the prophets of false gods that were there on the mountain. 850 of them altogether. They were Jezebel's prophets. And then Elijah went and prayed. God let it rain. He sent his servant to see if there were any clouds. There were none. He did this seven times, and the last time the servant came back and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand coming up out of the Mediterranean headed this way, and... Elijah, that's all it took. A cloud the size of a man's hand. Just a little indication that God is heard and God is answering. Just a little seed, that's all it takes. Just faith the size of a mustard seed. Just any indication that God is heard and God is answering. That's one of the reasons why we, we should count our blessings and look and see what God is doing because any indication that God is with you in anything you're doing, it's a good day. You can follow that. And so Elijah told Ahab, listen, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain, You know, I'll I'll, I'll paraphrase this. It's about 15 to 17 miles back to Jezreel where you live and where Jezebel lives. You better get in your chariot and you better take off now because the rain is coming and if you're going across that Jezreel Valley all the way over to Mount Gilboa and the city of Jezreel, then you better hurry up because rain, I mean a flood, is coming. The abundance of rain. And so... Ahab gets in his chariot and takes off. Elijah looks around and says, hmm. And then God performs this miracle. Elijah ties, the Bible says he ties his clothes on. And he takes off running. And he passes Ahab. And he outruns him that 15 to 17 miles all the way to the city of Jezreel. I don't know if he was tired when he got there. But don't you know that was a shock? Well, Ahab pulls up after him back home with some bad news he got some real bad news you know good news and bad news it's raining and by the way all your prophets are dead (laughs) okay elijah's god is god your gods aren't sweetheart that's where we pick up the story in the 18th chapter excuse me yeah the 19th chapter first kings 19. Okay. Here we are. All right. Are you ready? And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, tattletale. <laughs> also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Now, you know, Elijah's there in that same little city. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when Elijah saw that, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba. Beersheba, by the way, is a hundred miles due south. He didn't just run to the next city or the next town or the next county he went all the way past Shiloh and Bethel and you know through uh, uh you know uh past Nablus all the way down past Jerusalem through Bethlehem through Hebron all the way down to Beersheba at the beginning of the Negev desert just not very far uh farther 45 miles farther south is the border of Egypt This guy went a long way to Beersheba, which belongs uh, to Judah, and he left his servant there. Uh, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die. Hold on here. Come on. This guy is having a panic attack and a nervous breakdown. He's a little emotionally unstable. He's just called fire down out of heaven. God's just taken care of him for three and a half years. He is the biggest guy in town. Now, he's only about 34 years old here, and so we'll give him a little bit of credit of just having some problems with his youth, okay? Uh, and, 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 but all the, now, now, this woman Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. He has just outrun a chariot for like 15 to 17 miles. And what does he do? He takes off and goes 100 miles in a panic and then leaves his servant there and goes out another day's journey which could be anywhere between 15 and and 28 29 miles depending on uh you know who you listen to about a day's journey and he sits down under a tree and says i want to die this boy is having some problems he's depressed do you do you see what is happening here He said, "It is enough." (laughs) Oh, come on now! Can't you can't you look at him and see how sometimes we feel like it is enough? Enough is enough. Dad, gum it! Come on! It's enough. I'm tired. Three and a half years. I was in the famine too. You sent me to a king and a crazy woman. You know? And now, there, now now I did your will. I did your will. And all Israel saw it. And now my life is hanging in the balance. You would have thought the exercise, the fresh air and the change of scenery would have done him pretty good. But it didn't. <laughs> you know, he went... He went out and he just wanted to die. He, actually, he wanted God to kill him. He said, Lord, take my life. For I am no better than my fathers. Lord, just go ahead and kill me. Why? Because I'm worthless to you. I mean, I did all this and it looks like it failed. And that's what he's concerned about. Is It hadn't changed Jezebel. It didn't change Ahab. All that he went through and all that he paid and all that he did and all the suffering of the children of Israel and everybody else. And it didn't change a thing. Jezebel is still just as nasty as she always was. Well, this is good stuff now. God, just kill me. I am worthless. It didn't work. What you told me to do, I thought it would fix the problem. But it didn't. She still is nasty and is mean. And now she wants to kill me too. Verse 5, Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. That's mighty kind and nice of God. I mean, God can be merciful even at times when we don't deserve it. You might say, don't deserve it. Well, let's just look on verse 6. And, and, and then he looked, and there was by his head a, a, a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. I love this. I love this scripture. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Eat, drink, sleep. Eat, drink, sleep. Eat, drink, sleep. That's, listen, that's the sign of depression. Okay? <laughs> that's all you want to do sometimes sometimes it's all you want to do is just get up long enough to get something to eat something to drink and go back to bed out by yourself under a broom tree in a desert in a wilderness i'm worthless god please give me. you know please kill me god i mean i don't want to kill myself but i do want to die god would you kill me please please god please take me take me god oh come on now listen If you can't see Elijah here as having a little emotional instability right in the midst of what is perhaps one of his greatest victories that he ever experienced, one of the greatest miracles that ever happened on the planet. But it didn't do what he wanted it to do. It didn't accomplish what he thought it should accomplish. And he just sees himself as worthless. the angel of the Lord, in verse 7, came back a second time. Praise God for the second chances. And touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. Yes, it is. It's, It's always a little too great for us, what God asks us to do, what God wants us to do. Even what we know we're going to do, even when God doesn't ask us to do it. In fact, God is not asking him to go anywhere. God just knows that this boy is going to do something that is impossible. He may be trying to kill himself. What does he do? He strikes out across the Sinai Peninsula. He's already down to Beersheba. Hey? Now he's going to strike out further south and go down the Sinai Peninsula another 197 miles as the crow flies. But there are so many mountains, he probably walked 400 miles through the desert. Getting all the way, as the word says, so he rose and ate and drank and went in the strength of that. 40 days and 40 nights, he didn't eat or drink anymore. they were quiet because there's nothing to eat or drink out there. I think literally he may have been trying to kill himself. Might have been trying to swim out so far he knew he couldn't get back. As far as Horeb, Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, where God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. Now he's way down here in another country. He is now, you know, over 350 miles away from, you know, his his worst problems. Jezebel and drought and the executions and the fire and the problems and, and what he hopes, you know, he, he, he hopes he's no longer responsible. I'm not there. I'm no longer responsible. I'll get out of town and I won't be responsible. I'll quit. I'll get out of this problem. I'll quit this job. I'll leave this marriage. I'll get out of this situation and I'll no longer be responsible for this. I'll be a Jonah. I'll get on a ship and go the other direction and get out of God's country and I'll go to Tarsus and I won't be my pro- Nineveh won't be my problem no more. Jim, I'm I'm preaching better than there, amen. And what do I need to do here? Thank you. (laughs) That's exactly how he felt. And this is Elijah Elijah, the prophet of God, the guy who never died. No one but God knows where he is, and he likes it that way. He gets to the mountain of God where Moses received the Ten Commandments, verse 9, and there there he went into a cave, and he spent the night in that place, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, oh good, a word from God, I love it, and said to him, what are you doing here? (laughs) Oh, come on now. (laughs) I've been waiting on a word from God. You're in the wrong place, buddy. What are you doing so far from the work I've called you to do? What are you doing here? You know, whenever the word of the Lord comes to you, you kind of would hope it would say, good job, son. (laughs) Instead of saying, what do you think you're doing, you nut? I walk 40 days and 40 nights together. I know you'd have killed yourself. I hadn't sent an angel to give you some food, some water. Crazy guy. What are you doing here? Verse 10. So he said, well, I've worked real hard for you, God. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts and for the children of Israel. Uh, they're the ones that have forsaken you and your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They've killed your prophets with the sword. And I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's left. And now they're even trying to kill me. And I've done nothing but good for them. They're the crazy ones. Poor me. You don't understand God. Let me tell you what I'm doing here. I'm the only one who is right and just and true and good. I'm alone. I'm left. Nobody else cares. Everybody wants to kill me. Uh, that's what I'm doing here, God. Well, uh, for the sake of, of not reading at all, let's go to verse 13. So it was when Elijah heard it that uh, that there there was a still, small voice. He looked for God in in, in other things. Read the story. He wrapped his face in a mantle. He went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah went to a new place and he was looking for God in that place. He was looking for him in the fire and the lightning and the wind. He was looking for him everywhere. You know, but, but listen, you, know, you, you can look for the right answers in the wrong places and you won't find any. So this is the second time God says, look, you can look for me all you want to. You know, I was on this mountain for Moses, but I'm not on this mountain for you, buddy. It's not your mountain. You're way away from where I call you. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he said to, to, to God again, I love these repetitive you know, defenses. I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant and, and, and torn down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Repeat. This is God. Saying, I don't have anything else to say to you. Except you're looking for answers in all the wrong places. And on top of that, Elijah, you're wrong. How do we know he's wrong? Verse 18. Yet I have reserved 7,000. You're not the only one, buddy. I have 7,000 in Israel, back where you're supposed to be. Who have, not who's, who, whose knees have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. You see, Elijah was looking for answers in the wrong places and the answers were yet in the hands of those that God would anoint to take care of the things that were beyond Elijah's calling. You see, you're not called to do everything. You're called to do your part. And sometimes the things that frustrate us are just not our part. Sometimes the work has to be completed by others, and that's what God was saying. Listen, you did your part, Elijah. Now, if you'll get back into town, if you go back you know, down that road, back that 350, 400 miles, uh, then I got some things I need you to do back there. I need you to anoint some people because it's under the anointing of the Holy Spirit that other people are going to accomplish the rest of the story. And in fact, it's still being passed on from anointing to anointing, from calling to calling. God continued to use Elijah for another 15 years. You know, Elijah was only 51 years old whenever that chariot came down and went close to the ground and caused that whirlwind and Elijah went up in the whirlwind, alive into heaven. It was kind of tough on this 34, 35-year-old prophet. He was young. He had gone through a lot. One of the greatest lessons that I learned from the full account of Elijah's panic attack and that's basically what it was. It was a prolonged uh, trauma response. Is that if I am the only one who is right I'm probably wrong. Ooh, that's, that's good. If you're the only one who is right you're probably wrong. It can't always be somebody else. I'm at my best for God, for myself and for my family, when I recognize that God is working in the lives of others as much as He is working in my life. Working even in the lives of others that I may not know or I may not appreciator I may not even like God will take note of and God will punish the truly evil and the unrepentant but that's not my job and I am never alone and I am not responsible for the sins of other people These are the things that we have to deal with. It's the things Elijah had to deal with. My salvation and my sanity are not in my enemy's defeat. My salvation is not in things working out like I think they should. But rather my sanity, my salvation is in my healthy relationship with God. So that I trust him. And whatever the answer or the course is. That as long as I know I am in the place he has put me. Then my contentment is my sanity. And I must offer him a healthy soul. Through which he can work. And that's a soul that trusts him we won't find the right answers looking in the wrong places maybe this was the last thing I wrote today maybe you just need to go back home and let God fix it that's a prophetic word for someone I wrote it today almost erased it because I did not want to encourage people who are living in abuse to take that as a personal word. If you are in an abusive relationship, physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually abused, if you are in an abusive relationship and it's dangerous at home, this is not a word from God for you. But if you just think you're right and everybody else is wrong, go home. Let God fix it. Okay. Do your part. Let Him do His. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date.